Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Anti-Wedding Wedding Club podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Serrell, and we're excited to jump into this week's topic. Before we begin, I just want to cover a few housekeeping items. I'm thrilled to announce that the baby pod has officially been downloaded over 200 times, which to some people may sound like nothing, but to me is absolutely fantastic. I've gotten a few questions this week, which means we're adding a new Q&A section to the end of each episode, and we even got a bride DM us that she had never really thought about what her and her partner truly wanted, and now we're rethinking how they were planning their wedding next year. You guys, that just left me speechless. I'm out here speaking my own truth, trying to get to the bottom of my own opinions and why they exist, and if they can help even one bride, then I call that an absolute success. I'd also love to be that annoying podcaster that reminds you to rate and review the baby pod on Apple Podcasts because that's how we grow this thing. I love feedback, whether it be good or bad. I want this to be an open dialogue about the wedding industry. And, you know, no one's really right. These are all just opinions. Nothing is set in stone about all of this. We're just learning and growing as we get through each topic. Like, do I say um too much? Do I say like too much? I definitely do. I'm working on it, guys. (laughs) Before we get into the topic of the day, which is about wedding vows, there's one last thing I want to mention. There are two podcasts that I've listened to pretty regularly, uh, Betches Brides and Girls Gotta Eat. I looked at the reviews for both of these podcasts uh, last night, partially because I found out Betches Brides is now getting rid of Taylor. It is going to be a podcast, I think, solely devoted to being a COVID bride, which I kind of think is a weird move, to be honest. Um, Being a COVID bride is 100% relevant right now, but I also don't think that just because you're getting married during this time period that you have to identify or completely uh, dismantle everything that you want because you happen to be a quote-unquote COVID bride. Uh, I think there's a bigger conversation to have than do you have to give up a dance floor um, that I think that you really need to check in with yourself on what it is that's important. But hey, that's their turf and I wish them the best of luck. My point for bringing this up was there was one very common thread between the negative comments for both of these podcasts. That the host didn't listen to the listeners, that there was a lack of diversity and awareness, and that the same stories were being told over and over again. Guys, I'm going to be honest, writing, hosting, and editing a podcast is not a super easy thing to do. It's hard to have the knowledge of every topic and like everything in every topic. We're only human. And it's also hard because you, you are putting your personal life out there. I try not to give you guys too much into my like everyday personal life, but you know, we, it's, it's a little scary. (laughs) We're putting ourselves out there to be judged essentially. And, you know, I've mentioned this before, but the main content for this podcast is coming from a white middle-class woman who lives in the U S because that's me. And that's my knowledge base. That being said though, I've also mentioned on Instagram and in other episodes that for each episode that we do where there is a Western focus, I am searching for guests to come on and offer knowledge on these traditions from a non-Western viewpoint. I'm also very committed to bringing in people of color and to bringing in guests that are from the LGBTQ community, guests from different religions and different viewpoints and cultures. 
this has always been something that is super important to me and I think important to the conversation because a, you know, white cis female's opinion on everything is not the only opinion, obviously. I haven't had anybody say anything yet, so I'm not bringing this up because I've been called out. I just wanted to start the conversation early so you guys know how I feel about this and that I am committed to paying attention to this kind of thing. And my ask is to, you know, please be patient, please be understanding as I find the right guests and as I bring the right people on. And, but then also to please share your views with me so we can expand and grow this little endeavor into a bigger and better conversation. At the end of the day, all I'm doing is researching what I found and then offering my opinion on said research. So that's the other caveat. If you, you can disagree with me, you can agree with me, you can do whatever you want. That is my motto. I think that you should make your own choices, and I'm just here to give you a little bit of information. All right, let's get on with the show. you know them, to have and to hold in sickness and in health till death do us part. There's the traditional ones that thousands and thousands of couples have recited in church halls or wedding venues all over the land. And then there's the ones that couples write themselves, usually to the dismay of the groom. But where do they come from? What do they mean? And do we need to have them in order to get married? These are the questions we're going to tackle today. I'll preface this by saying that I've always found a version of the traditional vows to be sort of romantic. The idea that the same set of words have married so many before me kind of tickles the heart, I guess. But let's see if I still feel this way after I'm done dissecting it. In the time of the Roman Empire, which was from 17 BC to 476 AD, the lower classes had what was called free marriages. The bride's father would deliver the bride to the groom, and the two would agree that they were married and would keep the vow of marriage by mutual consent. Roman wealthy class people, by the way, would not do that. They would sign documents listing property rights to publicly declare that their union was legalized and not common law marriage. They solely did this because they had properties between the two parties. This was the beginning of the official recording of marriage. The oldest of Western traditional wedding vows can be traced back to the manual of the medieval church. In England, there were manuals of the diocese of Salisbury and York, the compilers of the first book of common prayer published in 1549, based its marriage service mainly on the Salisbury manual. Upon agreement to marry, the Church of England usually offered couples a choice. They could promise to, to each other to love and cherish, or alternatively, the groom could promise to love, cherish, and worship the bride, and the bride would promise to love, cherish, and obey. We all know that that obey word was in there for a very long time. And actually, sometimes I think it still is. You have a choice if you want it there. But in 1920s, 
Some branches of the church voted to remove the word obey from the bride section of the vow, and many other churches have, over the years, have followed suit. It's not a very popular term, and we'll leave it at that. <laughs> now, there are many versions of wedding vows depending on your religion and your culture. In many of the Christian Catholic-based religions, they all float around the idea of loving and honoring and sickness and in health, forsaking all others till death do you part. In Jewish ceremonies, the rings are exchanged with the seven blessings. In Hindu ceremonies, the newlyweds walk around a flame honoring Agni, the Hindu god of fire, reciting seven steps that symbolize them being lifelong partners. In Buddhist wedding vows, the bride and groom answer together, stating, we do, after each question. By the way, I really love this. <laughs> I might, I'm not Buddhist, but I kind of love the idea of doing that. Um, in Apache and Cherokee ceremonies, there may or may not have been vows, but when they are present, they are deeply rooted in honoring their love with Mother Earth. Muslim and Eastern Orthodox ceremonies traditionally have no vows spoken. Instead, couples would listen to their officiant talk about marriage and then agree to the terms of their marriage. In the end, most simply, marriage vows are the promises two people make to each other during their wedding ceremony. These days, couples have a choice of using time-honored words to marry or of writing their own. They have the option of using an ordained minister or a person of the church or having a friend that gets ordained, usually online, and that marries them themselves. So what does it mean to write your own vows? As a writer myself, I'm fairly certain I could manage to not butcher a set of wedding vows if I chose to write my own. Then again, I also could become a blubbering mess while trying to recite something super personal. I'm not sure either scenario is a win-win in that case. But for the sake of the conversation, let's say you want to write your own vows. What are some tips that might be useful? First things first, do not, and I mean do not, go on and on and on and on and on. My favorite wedding ceremony I've ever been to lasted maybe 20 minutes max. It was glorious and sweet and everyone loved it. I would also steer away from being too personal. Remember that the intent of these vows is to make the commitment of marriage in front of your friends and family. They might not need all the details of your relationship. As much as you might want to speak from the heart the day of, I promise you with all of the emotions and nerves, you probably will not get out what you really wanted to say. As much as you might want to speak from the heart on the day of, with all the emotions and the nerves going on, I promise you, you will not get out what you really want to say. So a great practice is to discuss the length and overall tone of the vows with your partner ahead of time and commit to having them done two weeks before the wedding. Give the vows to your officiant so someone doesn't lose them, because let me tell you, that happens more often than you think. And for the love of God, wear waterproof mascara, have some tissues on hand, and remember to look your partner in the eyes from time to time while you recite your vows. You would be shocked how many people stare at their piece of paper, the floor, or somewhere other than the person that they are marrying. And yeah, just remember to look at your spouse. <laughs> I would also mention, especially if you're in a larger venue, to have mics on so people can actually hear you recite your vows. It's really awkward to be a guest watching somebody get married and to hear every like five words of what they're saying. I will also note that if you don't want to do any of this, there is no legal significance attached to the actual marriage of vows. 
In most states, the law does require that either a member of the clergy or a public officiant be present to witness the partners take each other as spouses after requiring a marriage license from their resident state. Some states have different rules though, so before you take any route to get married, make sure you understand the rules of where you plan on getting married. At the end of the day, you should do whatever makes sense for you and your partner the type of in, the, in the type of ceremony that you wanna have. Just remember, you're making a promise to cherish your partner forever, and most importantly, that should never be taken lightly. up our topic for the day but before we go we wanted to make sure we got into some questions we got this week all right question number one should the bride and groom give a speech at their own wedding hmm great question it reminds me of the first I think it's the first episode of the marvelous Mrs. Maisel by the way if you've not watched that show please go do it because it is amazing where Midge has a little speech that shows off just how funny she actually is I think the couple each thinking and giving insight into their day is a totally cool idea, so long as they want to do it, and it's, again, not overly long. In fact, any speech anyone gives, please make sure it's not too long. If you enjoy public speaking and you have something you'd love to say, by all means, go for it. If you don't, then let other people do the speeches and call it a day. Question two, what is the second line procession you posted about the other day? Oh, I love these. Okay, so the second line parade is a New Orleans brass band processional tradition that predates the Civil War. Historically, these parades are the descendants of the city's famous jazz funerals. They vary for reason and size these days, but in all cases, they include a brass band, jubilant dancing, and members decked out in bright outfits, hats, parasols, and banners. The people in the first line are the hosts, the ones hosting the parade. So in the case of a wedding, the bride and the groom, their immediate family, and the band. The second line comes from the rest of the wedding guests and those who decide to follow along, dancing and singing as they go. So that means that people that, if you're going down Bourbon Street in, which by the way, I don't recommend, it's so dirty. So let's just say you're going down Frenchman Street in New Orleans and there's people walking around, they can join the parade at the end um, and help celebrate whatever's going on, whether it be a funeral, a wedding, or any kind of thing that an organization is doing. It's, I've seen a couple of them before in person, and they're just absolutely amazing. All right, question three. This one, <laughs> this one made me laugh. I, I, I feel like I'm going to have to have this conversation multiple times. But um, So if you've heard me address this before, I apologize, but I think it's going to come up a little bit. Do you dislike weddings. Not at all, folks. I love weddings, actually. They are joyous occasions that celebrate love, and so what's not to love about that? What I don't love is the fact that this massive industry exists to make people think they have to spend 100 k to get a decent wedding, um, that makes women take on the brunt of planning, that also makes women turn into raging, emotional, crazy people, you know, in some cases, but trust me, we all hit that, like, moment a little bit and 
all to vow to love the person you want to spend your life with and that we still do traditions that don't apply to us, usually without ever knowing why we do them. I am pro-wedding. I'm just not pro-doing whatever you're told, unless that's, of course, your choice. Anyways, thank you so much for all the love and support. That's it for this week, and we hope you're excited for next week because we have a really fun one coming up. We're talking to Carrie Ann from Kith and Ken Weddings, and we're dissecting the traditional roles of parents, hey, mother-in-law, in your wedding. And it's going to be a doozy. See you next week. Bye.